Do I got control of this up here, Ron? There you go. So the title of today's sermon is Self-Control Through the Bible Equals Self-Control Through Life. Already this morning, during the worship and the announcements, I could already see that a lot of people, or some of us, are lacking self-control in, a, in certain situations. Self-control is really important in life. One, it helps you stay out of situations that you don't want to get into. Manos boys, I'll bet you, myself included, because I've had problems with drugs and alcohol in the past, if I learned self-control earlier in life, we wouldn't have been in the situation that you guys are in now, in the situation I was in. Correct? In 2 Peter 1.6, it says, And knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patience, endurance, and patient endurance with godliness. If we have knowledge of certain situations, our friends, our family getting into bad situations or outcomes that situations they got into, how it affected them, if we have knowledge of that and we can control ourselves not to get into that same situation, that would be a good thing, correct? But a lot of us have that thought of, oh, this won't happen to me. No, I'm, I'm better than that. that. That was him, that wasn't me. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So if you do the same thing as somebody else, you can't expect different results. False teachers back at that time were saying that self-control was not needed because human effort would not help believers anyways. It is true that good deeds cannot save us, but they are still absolutely essential in Christian life. The way we act, the good deeds that we do, the things that we do, the things that we say, and our character allows Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit to work through us to reach others. If someone came up to you and they were completely belligerent and you know, cursed all the time, just did whatever they wanted, more than likely you would not want to be that, around that person or do the things that person's doing. If somebody came up to you and helped you out and talked good to you, you know, gave you positive um, acknowledgement and stuff like that, you would want to be around those people. They are all good deeds. They're all part of Christian life also. Speaking highly of others, helping others. God said, love others as you would want them to love you. We are saved so that we can grow to resemble Christ and serve others. Jesus died on the cross for us, for our sins, the past, the present, and the future. How would you like to die for somebody or give your life for somebody and that not change them at all? You just, you basically gave your life for nothing. How do you think Jesus feels when we go outside and do whatever we want? We have no control, no self-control. How do you think he looks down on us and he feels when he sees that happening? Us as children ourselves, and also parents, 
when we tell our kids to do things and they don't do it, how do you feel? The same point, when you were a kid, think about it. When you were a kid and your parent asked you to do something and you just did whatever you wanted, how do you think they felt? That's all part of self-control. Learning to control your actions, your words, your temper, to benefit not only yourself but others. God wants to produce his character in each and every one of us. He didn't come down to earth and say, okay, Bob, Chris, Dan, Richard, I'm, I'm sacrificing myself for you, okay? This is what I'm doing for you. No, he came down and he sacrificed himself for every single one of us. It's up to all of us together in unity to make that worthwhile. To do this, however, he demands our discipline and our effort. If you see kids running around, if you go to a store and you see kids running around doing whatever they want and the parents are just standing there, they're undisciplined children. Now, if they're doing it in a, a right manner, they're not being unruly, but they're running around having fun but not doing it in a bad way, they're disciplined because they know that they can run around. They still have their freedom, their choice to do things, but in a certain parameter. As you read the Bible, you pray to God, we start to obey Him. He starts to guide us through His Spirit. And through doing that, He also allows us and helps us develop self-control over our desires. Self-control over our emotions and self-control over our behavior. With anything in life, it's not where you pray, you start reading, the next day you wake up, you're changed. No, it's work. Like it says in here, demands discipline and effort. Manus boys, if you guys want a, a nice future, not going in and out of jail, not you know, being pulled over by the cops all the time, or being in trouble, do you think that's just going to happen by completing Manos and walking back out into the world? If you do, I'm sorry, but you'll be back. It will not. I learned before, I went to jail for four years. I learned before I went to jail that I needed to change my life. Just because I went into jail with a bunch of other criminals and guys that, I was in jail with lifers and stuff like that, guys that just came in and out and in and out. I didn't take that time and be like, oh, yep, okay, I'm good. I'm here now. I only got four years here. I'm just going to do whatever I want. I took that time to better myself. To better myself. So when I got out, I wasn't coming back to the same situations. When I got out, my family didn't look at me and be like, okay, how long do we have him for this time? And believe me, it took a lot of effort. It took a lot of discipline. When I came home, I still had my old friends to hang out with and stuff like that. Well, I still had them there. I had to choose whether I wanted to hang out with them or not. What was more important to me was hanging out with my old friends that I got in trouble with 
Was that more important to me than having a future family, owning my own home, having a good job, having um, vehicles that were paid, not rented or you know what not? Having a nice vehicle, not a beat-down vehicle that I had to repair every th three weeks. I mean, I still have one of them, but it's not repairing. It's more souping up, sorry. But I had to choose. I had to choose what I felt was best for me, but also for the people around me. Your moms gave birth to you. Mother's Day is their day. If it wasn't for them, they wouldn't be here. How are your actions affecting your mothers right now? Are you spending Mother's Day with them? Do you think that hurts them? Discipline, self-control. Proverbs 13.3 says, Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. I'll bet you a lot of us here can think of a situation where we said something that we really shouldn't have and it had a really bad outcome. You have not mastered self-control if you do not manage what you say. I know every one of us has heard the phrase, think before you speak. Believe me, it's true. Everyone should think before they speak. However, if you read your Bible and you pray, you start doing what the Bible says, you start following that, you start to learn and you realize that your thoughts and what you say start aligning themselves with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. Those negative thoughts, those anger issues of, I can't believe this guy did to me, I'm going to get back at him, they start to go away. And it's more of, I wonder why he's doing this. Maybe I should have a talk with him and see if we can come to some kind of resolution. It's a more positive way. If your boss treats you bad rather than flipping out on them and hurting them or something like that and making the situation worse, maybe you can go to them and be like, hey, I'm sorry you feel this way, but how can we, do, how can we change this? What do I got to do to be better? And in turn, the boss might think, okay, well, maybe I'm doing something. What can I do to help you along in this situation? It's a positive way. Everybody benefits from that situation. Nobody benefits from anger, words, and violence. Words can cut and destroy. James recognized this truth when he stated, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. If you think about it, the situations that we get ourselves into, first, they're physical because we put ourselves there. Actually, first is thought. We think about it, then we do it, which is the action. And then when we're, when we're in that situation, a lot of times our mouth gets us into trouble. It can get you out of it, too, if you learn to control it correctly. If you want to control yourself, begin with your tongue. Stop and think before you react or speak. If you can control this small but powerful member, you can control the rest of your body. It's a small muscle. The heart. Your heart 
is a small muscle, but without your heart, your body would die. And it's very powerful. Do you know the force that it takes for your heart to send blood through all of your little veins, your little arteries and stuff like that to the rest of your body? It takes a lot of force. And that thing keeps pumping nonstop every day up until the day you die. James 3, 6 says, And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of, of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Not saying your tongue comes from hell, so don't think Satan put it in your mouth. But it can send you there. James compares careless and hurtful words to a raging fire. If you have a fire, say you have a fire pit in your backyard. You have stones around it. It's controlled. You light a fire. You walk away. That fire stays within that ring. It's, it's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to do any damage because it's controlled fire. If you go out into the middle of the woods and you set a campfire in the middle of the woods with no stones around it or nothing, you just put some sticks on a fire and you light it and then you walk away, what do you think the possibilities are that that fire is going to spread and take out the whole forest? Because it's not controlled. Control is the whole issue here. An uncontrolled tongue can do terrible damage. Satan uses words and speech to divide people and pit them against one another. The whole thing going on now in the world about the whole transgender and all this other stuff, that's not from God. In the Bible it says God made man and woman. That's it. He didn't say I made man who could possibly be a woman later on or woman who could possibly be a man later on. No, man and woman. In the Bible, it also says that the demons refer to themselves as we, they, us, them. I'm not trying to be political for anybody that has their viewpoints or anything like that. It's all about self-control. If we learn to control ourselves... If we learn to use our words to influence others in a positive way, the media, everything like that, the media influences, everybody here watches TV, the media influences everybody. Of all the wickedness on the earth, I think the media and the news is very, very close to the top. That's why I really don't watch the news or anything like that. I watch my Hallmark movies. All that is is love and joy. So... I'm good. When a person loses their temper, their impulsive and hateful words spread. Destruction quickly, or words spread. Destruction, destruction quickly, and no one can stop the result once they are spoken. Have you ever had that situation where you said something and later on you're like, man, I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I could go back and take that back. I know we all have. Everyone's guilty of that. No one has said something that they don't wish they could take back. 
so we can dare not be careless with what we say, thinking we can apologize later, because even if we do, the scars will remain. You're riding your bike down the road without any pads on or anything like that, and you crash and you scrape your knee up and stuff like that. It'll heal. More likely you're going to have a scar there. But just because next time you ride your bike and you put knee pads on doesn't mean that scar is going to go away. It's still going to be there. Too late. Can't fix it. In our everyday life, we have to think of that also. When we talk to people, whether it be our parents, our friends, our family, when we say something, we should first think, how is this going to react? How are they going to react to this? How is this going to affect them? How is this going to affect our relationship? God wants us all to have good relationships. That's why he put us on earth. He wants us to have a relationship with him first. That's why he visited Adam and Eve in the garden and spoke to them. It was our own, Adam and Eve's own self-control that they lacked that put us where we are today. God told them one thing, do not eat from the tree of knowledge, the tree of good and evil. If they would have controlled themselves and said, nope, not doing that, even with the influence of the serpent and Satan telling them, oh, no, it's good, you can do it. If they would have controlled themselves and said, no, this is what our father said, this is what we're going to do, we would not be in this situation. But God already knew it was going to happen. He knows everything before it happens. He knew each and every one of us before we were even born. It's how he reacted later on. He could have, he could have been angry and been like, you know what, you disobeyed me, that's it, we're done, um, you're dead. I'm taking you off the face of the earth. But no, he gave us a second chance. A few words spoken in anger can destroy a relationship that has taken years to build. I can attest to that. I have family that I haven't spoken to in years, all because of things that were said in the past or done in the past. Does it hurt? Yes. Does it affect my life right now? Yes and no. doesn't really affect my day-to-day. However, it does affect how I feel when we have family get-togethers and stuff like that, and they're there, and I kind of go off to the side. Just because it happened in the past doesn't mean it's going to get better. Before you, re- before you speak, you need to remember that words are like fire. You can neither control nor reverse the damage they do. Proverbs 16.32 says, better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Self-control is superior to conquest. We can go and do great things in the world for the benefit of ourselves and still not make it to heaven because we are selfish. We need to learn self-control. Success in business, school, or home life can be ruined by a person who cannot control his or her temper. In business, if you go to work and the boss tells you to do something and you don't want to do it, and you come off to him, 
He could fire you. That controls whether you have a job or not. But if you look at him and say, okay, well, I'll do this, but I don't agree with it, more than likely you're not going to get fired, but you'll still have your job, and you do that one little menial task and move on. We can find great personal victory when we control our tempers. Anger issue, I, I had anger issues a lot growing up. I still have, kind of have anger issues. But before, I didn't have self-control. If I would get angry, the first thing I would do was either yell or throw punches. Now I just yell. I don't throw punches anymore. I try not to yell sometimes. Sometimes it's easier just to walk away, calm down, think about it, and then go back with a rational head on your shoulders. Patience. In the beginning, I said about patience. That's key also in self-control. Human nature is to want what you want when you want it. God tells us to be patient. You don't think the Israelites, when they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, you don't think they were patient, do you? They were probably really impatient. God promised us a land. Where is this land? We're roaming around for 40 years. God had to teach them patience. And in the end, when they learned their lesson, God said, okay, here's your land. Go in and take it. When you feel yourself ready to explode, remember that losing control may cause you to forfeit what you want the most. Do you remember in the exile when the Israelites were going to the promised land and they stopped and they made camp? Moses went up on the hill. The people were so impatient. So they made a, an idol for themselves, the calf, and they started worshiping that. They were impatient. They took their anger at God because he was, hadn't given them promised land yet, made this idol and started worshiping that, thinking that that idol was going to get them to the promised land faster. Did it? No. Everyone, every single person that, I, that worshiped that idol did not go into the promised land. God made them wander around for more time until every single one of those people were dead. He gave the promised land to their children. Their actions, their anger, their loss of self-control forfeited their right to be in the promised land, their right to inherit that land. God's word, the same, God's word is the same yesterday as it is today as it is tomorrow. Do you think that just because he did it then, he's not going to do it now? Self-control back then is no different than self-control now. His promises back then are no different than his promises now. Acts 24, 25. As he reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control and the coming day of judgment, Felix became frightened. Go away for now, he replied. When it is more convenient, I'll call for you again. Paul's talk with Felix became so personal that Felix grew frightened. Felix, like Herod Antipas, had taken another man's wife. 
Paul's words were interesting to him until they focused on righteousness and self-control and the coming day of judgment. A lot of us have been in conversations where we're talking about other people or doing other things, and it's all good and dandy, us talking about other people and stuff like that, until somebody brings up something that we did, and then all of a sudden we're like, ah, no, stop. I don't want to talk about that anymore. Many people who be, who... Many people will be open to discussing the Bible with us as long as it doesn't touch their lives too personally, which I think is sad. The Bible should touch every aspect of our lives, period. When it does touch our lives, some will resist to run to God or to run. God's word can powerfully impact and convict people who hear it. In Felix's case, Paul's words convicted him enough to at least make him want to stop the conversation. Felix was feeling so bad about what he did, or so angry that Paul would bring that up, that he wanted to end the conversation in hopes that the next time they would talk, Paul wouldn't bring it up again. Instead of just dealing with the situation, confessing his sins, and knowing that he did wrong. The good news is, is not effective until it moves from principles and doctrine into life-changing dynamic. When you boys go back over to Manos and you read the Bible, if you guys read the Bible, I hope you all do, when you read it, it has no power just reading those words into your body. Just reading them and not thinking about them or anything. It has no power. It's when you start to think about them, you start to put them into practice, where it says to treat others as you would want to be treated, help the less fortunate, stuff like that. Until you start doing that, that Bible has no power over you. But once you start doing those things, the Bible starts changing you. Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit start changing you. Now you have control over your life. Now you have control on who you hang out with, who you um, associate with, what you do when you get out of Manos, the relationships that you either stop or continue, or new relationships that you pick up. When someone resists or runs from your witness, it is possible that you have succeeded in making the good news personal. If someone starts to get, feel a little uncomfortable when you're talking to them, to them about the Bible, more than likely you hit a nerve. Now's the time that you have, when that happens, now's the time to think, okay, do I keep pushing forward or do I just stop? Let that sit in. Once that seed starts to germinate, if, if it's really growing, they'll come to me and they'll want, they'll want more. If this happens, pray for understanding about the cause of their resistance and discernment about what you should do next. That resistance could be a sign that God is at work. A lot of people that don't have a guilty conscience, if you talk to them about something that they did, they just kind of blow it off like, eh, whatever, yep, and they continue to talk. If they start to fight back and start to rationalize and try and justify what they're doing. God's starting to work. Now they're thinking. 
about what they did and whether they should have done it or not. Galatians 5.23 Gentleness and self-control. There is no law, no law against these things. Because the God who sent the law also sent the Spirit, the byproducts of the Spirit-filled life are in perfect harmony with the intent of the law. A, per, a person who exhibits the fruit of the Spirit fulfills the law far better than a person who observes the rituals but has little love in his or her heart. The Christians and the people in the world that read the Bible and respect it and do what it says, love God, do what God says, has a lot more effect than the ones that say they're Christian because they want to fit into a certain group just attend church on Sundays, and that's it. They don't have any other aspect of Christianity in their lives. First Peter 1, 13-14 So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. So you must live as God's obedient children don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. If you think about it, you didn't know any better then, you're not going to know any better now. Well, actually, you could by reading the Bible. The imminent return of Christ should motivate us to live for him. This means being mentally alert, preparing our minds disciplined, exercising self-control, and focused, put all your hope in God. Are we ready to meet Christ at this time in our lives? Are we living as God's obedient children? It's a question everyone should ask themselves. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Paul mentioned three characteristics that affect Christian leaders' need. Effective Christian leaders' need. Power, love, and self-discipline. Power does not refer to having a dynamic personality, but to the boldness that comes from confidence in the gospel. It doesn't mean that we're powerful, we can tell people what to do and they got to listen to us. It's not that kind of power. That kind of power comes from Satan. The people that think that way, that I have power, I have all this money, I have all this influence, I can do whatever I want. That's from Satan, that's not from God. God's type of power is I have all this money I should help others. I have all this power, this people that love me, I should use that to benefit others. I have all this control, I should help others to do better in their lives. You notice the difference? Me, 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 them, them, them. Love pairs care and concern with tender-hearted treatment of those we serve. A good leader must have a cool head 
and keep a tight rein on his or her selfish desires. It's not... It's not a sin to desire things in your life. In the Bible, it says that if we follow him, he'll give, all, give us all the desires of our heart. So it's not a sin to have desires. It's a sin on how we obtain those desires and what those desires are. If you have a desire to own a multi-million dollar company that can help others through charitable works, that's not a sin. Now, if your sin is to have a multi-million dollar company so you can buy whatever you want and do whatever you want, that's a sin. Everything that we want and we desire is available to us because the Holy Spirit lives in us. If we follow his leading each day so that our lives will be more fully exhibit of the characteristics of God. As you start reading your Bible more and more and you start putting those things into practice, you become more Christ-like. That, I think, should be every Christian's first desire. Well, important desire. The first desire is to be with God in, he in heaven. Second desire is be like his son. Matthew 4:17 says, "From then on Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near." The kingdom of heaven has the same meaning as the phrase kingdom of God in Mark and Luke. Matthew uses heaven and not God because at that time the Jews, out of their intense reverence and respect, did not speak God's name. The kingdom of heaven is near. That could be a couple different things. The kingdom of heaven is near for us in our hearts. The kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus is coming back soon. It will live in the heart of every person who comes to believe in Jesus. At this time, he was saying that from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Believe it or not, at that time, the kingdom of heaven was near. Right now, the kingdom of heaven is even closer. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus could come back tomorrow and say, okay, let's go to book of life. Let's see what you've done. It could be next week. But do we really want to jeopardize our eternity with Jesus by saying, I can put this off until tomorrow? I understand what Josh said about self-control, but you know, I can put that off until tomorrow. Tomorrow could be too late. The time is now. Now is the time to give our lives to Jesus, to give our lives to God, to repent of our sins, and to have self-control, discipline, and love for God. Tomorrow could be too late. And I'm sorry, I would hate for any one of us not to be there at the pearly gates, the gates of heaven, with me. Thank you.